Hello, flamethrowers. I'm so, so excited about our next guest. Um, thrilled for many different reasons. You may hear a little bit of that unfettered nationalism come out. But with me today is Billy Bridges. Billy is not only a Paralympic gold medalist in sledge hockey, he is internationally known for his contributions to Paris sport and was the youngest recruit in sledge hockey at the age of 14. Billy is the centerman in sledge hockey and has been a scoring threat since his first Paralympic Games in 2002. Beijing will be his sixth Paralympics. He has gold medals, world championships. He is a wheelchair tennis player. He has played professional wheelchair basketball overseas. He happens to be a music connoisseur, tragically hip specifically, and loves all kinds of food, is currently in school, and happens to be married to a former Burn It All Down guest, Sammy Joe Small, of the Canadian, formerly of the Canadian Women's National Hockey Team. And my favorite thing about him is that he is from the most beautiful place on the face of the earth, Prince Edward Island. Hello, Billy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to have you here, as you know. But I wanted to talk a little bit about your journey in sledge hockey. Like, how did you find it and fall in love with it? Because you were so apt in sports. And I also hear you're a killer table tennis player. So how did you fall in love with sledge hockey? Honestly, this is my favorite story. Um, I didn't really know about a lot of sports growing up that I could play. I, I grew up with a disability called spina bifida, so it's from birth. And in terms of the disability, I'm extremely lucky. Uh, I, have, I have full feeling in my legs. And considering my legs were shaped like question marks when I was born, I'm actually able to walk on crutches and, and do so many things. And um, one sport that I ended up falling in love with, because my cousin Corey, who was so cool, did it, was skateboarding. And so I would I would skateboard with my crutches and I'd go off stairs and handrails and everything. And I, I was just a bit of a lunatic. And uh, I was about 10 years old, downtown Guelph, um, which at, at the time was illegal to skateboard. And so we got so used to like trying to jump off our boards and get out of there. And like we get tickets all the time. I can only imagine now like ticketing a 10 year old boy on crutches to, for skateboarding, <laughs> not bothering anybody. But anyway. Um, I, I was, I was skateboarding downtown Guelph and, and, uh, this old lady started screaming at me from across the street and I'm like, oh, here we go again. Like, I'm going to get in trouble. And this like 60 year old woman was, was kind of shuffling across the street towards me. And I got off my skateboard and I was like, oh, I, I'm so sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry. And she goes, no, no, no. Uh, what, uh, what, what disabled sports do you play? Do you play wheelchair basketball? Do you play sledge hockey? What teams are you with? And I was like, what do you, like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. And she points across the street and she said, my, my grandson, Brad Bowden, he's over there and you're going to play wheelchair basketball and sledge hockey with him. And I was like, I'm what? Like, I had no idea what she was talking about. And nor did I really have a way to get to these practices or equipment or anything. And she really helped me, like, figure it all out. She would drive an hour to my place to pick me up, to drive me an hour to practice and, and back and forth. And I've lived at their place for for weeks on end for, to practice with Brad and uh, obviously Brad and I became best friends instantly and we always just had this like inner competitive spirit against each other and 
and I think that that's what really pushed us to to fall in love with with the sports and we played wheelchair basketball together and we played sledge hockey together and you know when when we weren't doing that we were playing spoon hockey in the hallway and we were just always always trying to compete against one another and you, you know it, the first time you you strap yourself into a sled when everything is so difficult in a wheelchair or on crutches you strap yourself into a sled and you take that first push and I don't know it just it feels so right and as a Canadian to finally be able to go out and, and play hockey and be able to do it unrestricted um you know it, it was it was pretty awesome so you're a legend in the sphere and your slap shot is up to 80 miles an hour come really bad Tressa what's 80 <laughs> miles in, in in kilometers you know I'm so bad at math we, <laughs> did you just see the, the speed of the shot there in kilometers per hour Tressa just put it's 130 I don't drive <laughs> that fast 130 kilometers everybody that's wild like I literally don't drive that fast my god so like how did, did you practice that or was it like skateboarding in Guelph I also by the way love the fact that your athletic trajectory it was literally fueled by Brad Bowden's grandma like I love this story too um how did you develop that or was that just strength in your arms was it just from training was it a natural prowess you had um well, well I mean certainly growing up uh using crutches every day of my life obviously developed my upper body at, at such an extreme pace that like I had a a man-sized like forearm by the time I was like 12 years old so when I first started, we we didn't really have uh, equipment like like nowadays. I have a one piece carbon fiber warrior hockey, who's a incredible hockey brand in the in the sphere of the NHL. Um, you know, we didn't have all that carbon fiber one piece stuff. It was all made out of you know two by four. It's like I would I would I would draw out the pattern on a two by four. My dad would cut it with a jigsaw, and I would sit there on the belt sander and make my little curve, and then he'd fiberglass it. And, like that, that's, those were the sticks that I used at the Salt Lake City Paralympic Games, my very first games. And, but like, they were like a centimeter and a half, two centimeters thick. So like, I could only imagine like how, how like fast my shot must have developed with, with the size and sheer weight of these sticks. And I loved shooting pucks. I would just shoot pucks for hours on end. I love the NHL all-star skills competition and seeing Al McGinnis just blast shots into the net and I thought that that was one of the coolest parts about hockey and um certainly anytime I could I, I would be shooting non-stop and you know I, I think it kind of paid off in the end like absolutely I think that there's and you've set scoring records and you've done all these things and if you found out about uh sledge hockey by accident almost so and you're out there now you speak to groups you speak to companies you speak to communities and you encourage them what would you tell people who may be reluctant to get their kids and to support what would you tell them about sledge hockey well, well I mean that was one thing that you know I, I certainly came to realize about Colleen is like that day was just a extreme chance of serendipity for me but it wasn't for her like she made it a mission every single day to to spread the news and to spread this happiness and you, you know for for Colleen she was given her grandson not by choice but because her 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 son and and Brad's mom couldn't you know couldn't handle having a disabled child and and just gave him up and Colleen had a choice of being 6 years old and having to go through the motions of a disabled infant again and they she could have just you know gone through the motions and did the work 
but she decided to to really impact his life and and she saw the you know the difference that that made and she set out every single day to try to make that difference in everybody else's life and and that's the thing that I try to encourage to parents of disabled children is like you know the the opportunities out there really are endless and and it's incredible and you know I was kind of lucky to be raised the way that I was with with my mom's and you know being just kind of treated like normal and and told to take the garbage out and then kind of you know not really understanding how but then I would crawl out you know to the step and 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 do it or do the dishes when I couldn't stand and I would sit up on the counter and do the dishes there and you know all these things that seemed difficult as a kid and you know now that I have a kid now it must have felt so difficult as a parent to do maybe it didn't but it, it you know when you look back at it, it it would have been really easy to try to just make everything easy for me but that wouldn't have contributed to make me as independent as I am and you know, I really have all those things to thank for that. Do you still enjoy just shooting pucks in practice? Is that your favorite thing to do? Nonstop. Yeah, definitely. And so it's super convenient that you're married to a goaltender. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do, do you get a chance? I know you're both extremely busy, but do you get a chance? Like you're in training, you're in Calgary right now, and you'll be heading out to Beijing later. Do you get a chance to do that still at all? Well, I mean, not so much since uh, since Kenzie's been born, certainly, right. because, you know, then we'd need someone to watch her. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly at the beginning of our relationship. But I mean, it was always so frustrating because, you know, it, it's not like I'm just going out to shoot against a, a rec league goalie that I get to score on every once in a while. <laughs> I would go out to hour long ice times with Sammy and maybe get like two pucks past her when she wasn't paying attention or something like she's just so good. But but certainly it was a lot of fun being able to shoot on her. And and so how did you decide to commit to sledge hockey as opposed to because I mean there's you know arguably a career in wheelchair basketball. So like when someone's multi-talented in different sports, like how do you decide? Is it just what you fall in love with? Like, you know, your wheelchair basketball career is no joke either. I mean, you're a member of a world championship winning team. So like how do you decide what to do? Um well well certainly. I, I followed my passion. Um, I mean, at the beginning, I followed what I was good at and where the opportunities were. Like when I was young, um, there started to become like full NCAA scholarships for wheelchair basketball. And then there's talks of pro leagues. And so even though I wasn't a huge basketball fan, I, you know, I, I really pushed and, and tried to stick with it for the opportunities that, that could arise. And none of those things existed for, for sledge hockey. And even before Nagano in 98, there, it wasn't, or I guess it was in Lillehammer in 94, it wasn't in the Paralympic games. And certainly even before 98, I hadn't even heard of it. Um, and so like wheelchair basketball used to be the, the be all end all biggest, coolest sport in the Paralympic realm. And, but I, I think, you know, obviously being a, a massive hockey fan, really drew me to sledge hockey but I also like the idea that uh, in most disabled sports there's a classification system so in wheelchair basketball everyone's given a point in terms of what their disability is so if an able-bodied person's playing in a league there are 4.5 that's the highest point that you can get a paraplegic in the league that's um, can't feel anything from their chest down there's a one and so each person each people's numbers on the team on the court at once can't add up to a certain amount of number and so you need to have two amputees 
um, you know, two paraplegics and someone like myself with spina bifida. And so it's an amazing game for that kind of diversity um, of disabilities that can, um, you know, pursue it at the highest level. There's no other sports out there that are like that. But I think the, the most incredible thing about sledge hockey is there is no classification. So at any given time, there can be six amputees out there at once. And I think that's what's really driven me to try to stay at the highest level of my game is, you know, being one of the most disabled people in the sport, um, certainly internationally, and, and still being able to contribute and, and, you know, be able to, I mean, mostly prove to myself that I can still do it. And, and I think that that's what you take pride in day to day. Absolutely. And, you know, we hear the feelings of going to represent Canada at the highest echelon and, you know, coming through and, and winning. And I, I, I want to talk a little bit about that experience, the Olympic experience. This will be your sixth Paralympic Games. Is there one that's your favorite? <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a couple that are my least favorite. Yeah, <laughs> certainly winning gold in Torino in 2006 was incredible, but it, it was so long ago and I was so young. Like it, I certainly didn't understand the importance of those games. You know, I, um, I obviously I, I had lost in Salt Lake city, but we had, we had guys who didn't win the gold in Lilyhammer and in Nagano as well. Um, that were still a member of that team. And, you know, now that I'm a veteran on the team, I can certainly look back and appreciate how, how incredibly important that gold medal was. Um, but I mean, as, as the Paralympics keep coming, they, you know, the most important ones in my life tend to start to be the, the latest ones, you know, it's now my 23rd or 24th year on the team. And, uh, you know, still being a contributing member on the team is, is obviously my goal. And, you know, what it takes to be on the team now compared to what it took in 98 is such a drastic difference like it's it's absolutely incredible the we have you know anywhere upwards of 15 to 20 training sessions a week whereas you know we used to just get a couple ice times a week back in 98 so it's being able to still do all that and, and balance a family and have my daughter still remember me <laughs> you know it, it it certainly gives a lot of pride for each games that keep coming so this competitive spirit that you have that gets you, I mean, you mentioned you're Canada game champion, you're an eight-time national champion with Team Ontario, and that's for wheelchair basketball specifically. So, I mean, we're not even talking about sledge hockey now, but your competitive spirit, where does that come from and how do you nurture it? And do you see it in Kenzie? I am exactly like Kenzie. And our competitive spirit has to be found it's not natural. It, it's not there. It's not, it's not persistent. Like I just, I have no racing bone in my body. If someone wants to race me to something, like I just, I don't care. Like, like I don't know. It, it, it's funny. And I see that in Kenzie as well. Like r mainly she just wants to be a rainbow princess fairy um, and be a unicorn and just play make-believe. And then when we try to get her to play hockey, she's just like, nah, like she doesn't care. Does she, does she know who you are though? No, no. Like it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's funny because she'll just be like, ah, daddy's going to the Olympics again. Like, like it's just <laughs> something that takes mommy and daddy away. Like, you know, obviously it'll, it'll start to hit her. Like the other day she came back and she was like, daddy, why did they say your name on the announcements? 
and then like kids were coming up to her and like giving her high fives and saying how amazing that is and she was just like what like you could see the little wheels turning in her head or just like why is this happening why why do they care what daddy does but but i think it's important <laughs> that you know the unicorn fairy princess thing like that's also a mood yeah so like um and do you speaking of that do you have any like good luck charms that you take with you do you have any rituals or superstitions one second <laughs> and you better see that i always have my stuffy with me I feel like he's going to show us something very exciting and I'm very excited right now. Well, it's <laughs> exciting to me and my daughter. But like we I always have to have my my <gasps> like favorite stuffy of the day from Kenzie that she'll give to me to she'll be like, "Daddy, what what do you need?" And I'll be like, "Um, I need a stuffy with lots of energy. Something that'll give me lots of energy." And then she'll go and get like a Tasmanian devil or something and like <laughs> Well, I love that stuffy. It's it, for everyone listening. You can't see this, but it's an absolutely adorable plush little unicorn, a multicolored tail and, and mane and with a blue organza ribbon on, which is <laughs> and little hooves that are like also multicolored. That has a lot of beautiful energy. Yeah, Billy, that's amazing. Like I just now when I think of you, I won't just think of this Paralympian champion and this ultra outfit. I'll think of this stuffy. So thank you, Kenzie, for that, <laughs> for being your brand mentor. Ultra Alfie, that's funny. I mean, I, I I grew up raised by by two moms, by um, lesbian moms that were you know gave me the huge appreciation for for women's sport and like I I was. You know, I was a massive fan of Sammy long before she even knew that I existed. So, you know, I think I'm pretty sure that she's the Elfie in the uh, in the marriage. Um, it's 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 funny that that you say that because I was just I picked up her book because I wanted to read where she met you. And one of the things that she said, because I was like, I want to know about this love story. Um, and one of the really interesting thing is when she met you, I believe it was in Manitoba for the world championships you met. And she said, your smile was infectious. And she actually was trying with her teammates to set you up with a finished player. And that didn't work out. So, but you ended up meeting each other, but she also commented that she could be who she was with you because you understood the commitment to sport. And you understood what it takes to do that. Do you find that as well, that that's, that's easier and it, it takes a certain person who understands what this grind is? Oh, certainly. Um, it, you know, especially to still be doing what I am now, um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't understand. Um, I don't know, I guess why, you know, because it, it is, you know, like some years it's over 100 120 days away from home um going to world cups and world championships and training camps and that's not even including the the hours and hours and hours that we're at the gym and the rink and you know especially now being a father and and still being able to have the opportunity to do it you know i, I certainly couldn't have done it without sammy and without someone like sammy but i i still wouldn't even be in this position not even close if if sammy wasn't in my life like she 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 changed me drastically when I first met Sammy was a year before she first met me. If 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 you can wrap your head around that, because she doesn't remember really meeting me at all. <laughs> we we both won the Olympic gold medals 
uh, in, in Torino. Right. And uh, the Calgary Stampede hosts um, all the gold medalists, or at least they did after Torino. And, and I, I got to walk as an honorary parade marshal with all the gold medalists. And, and I got to walk, um, I want to say beside, but it was mostly behind Sammy um, and a couple of her teammates in, in these like cowgirl outfits and boots and hats and tight jeans. And it was, yeah, I fell in love instantly. Um, but, but then I also got to meet her, um, again, a, a couple weeks later at the uh, ring gala, hockey Canada has like a ring ceremony championship rings for all the winning teams. And, you know, really got to, got to know a lot of her teammates. I, I knew a few from Canada games already, but, you know, Sammy was, was so incredible. And, um, my, my moms were just the, the biggest fans of the women's hockey team. And so just being able to hang out with them was so awesome. But, you know, once, once we actually started dating, she, she changed my, my prerogative on sports so much. And like, I, I was certainly a, um, just a, a kind of a natural athlete, but I didn't have the work ethic. Um, whereas Sammy is, um, you know, as, as weird as it is to say it, she's, she's admitted that she's not really a natural athlete, but she, she has the work ethic of an ox, like it, anything she does, she, she just pours her heart into it. And, and she wouldn't really let anybody see all the work that she does um, as well, which makes it even more incredible. But she's certainly the most prepared person in the world. And, and teaching me that is, is giving me this longevity, certainly has, has helped me stay in the sport as long as I have. Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash blue wire to start hiring today. Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you have aspirations to coach? Because you are a mentor. You are a coach in many ways. Is that something that you're looking forward to next? You're very much an ed educator. You, you know, offer public scholarship in terms of disabled athletes and what, you know, Paralympians do in their process. I'm not suggesting you retire. I'm not ready for that yet. But I'm just saying, like, what what would be next? What do you, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Yeah, it's tough. I, I definitely see myself coaching. Um, I feel like, I feel like I want to do it the right way and, and go and get my levels and, and, you know, remove myself a little bit as well when that day comes, but you know, where, where I really have a passion for is, is trying to bridge the gap between the levels of sledge hockey players. Like right now we have a national team and a national team program, but none of those people are allowed to play in the league or at nationals or provincially or, or anything. And so the best 
um, league player is not even close to our worst player on our program. And, you know, and that's because like any AHL hockey player is, is playing for a team. They're seeing um, specialists, you know, they're going to skills sessions every week. Um, you know, but for, for a lot of disabled athletes, that's, that's not a choice in the GTA ice time is, is $300 an hour. And then you'd have to pay your skills coach. And, you know, my, my, my passion right now is, is teaching skills. And, and I, I feel like that's where a lot of my skills lie. Um, and, you know, my, my dream right now is to, to get sponsors to, to cover these sessions so that we can bridge the gap between, you know, be, between our national team and, and the rest of, rest of the, the players in Canada and try to help them learn the professional way before they make the Canada program and not the other way around. Yeah. So like bridging that gap and affording them opportunities. And so fundraising comes into this then, like, like there's an underfunding for disabled sports in Canada in particular. And that's what, that's what you're saying. That's what I'm hearing anyway. Well, like it's tough to put it that way because like our, our program, our national team program gets a lot of um, government subsidies and, and mm-hmm. Hockey Canada obviously gives us our full support and it's there, but not necessarily for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And where do we find them? You know, a lot of times in Paralympic sport, we as athletes will recognize um, a player coming up with a potentially opportunistic disability mm-hmm. so that, you know, the, there's different potentials between different disabilities. And we would just instantly reach out and take them under our wing and invite them to our um, workouts and our ice sessions and and try to develop them ourselves because they're not going to get it anywhere else. Yeah. And and, uh, one of the questions I had was, are we talking, when we talk about sledge hockey, are we talking about predominantly about men's sledge hockey? It's the co-ed sport or is it like, are there differences even within and what are your thoughts on that world and what can, you know, our listeners do to support like and not just in Canada. Like obviously, we have a ton of listeners in the U.S. Um, I mean, it was it was something growing up where obviously I knew the problems having lesbian moms. Um, I, I knew the issues of women's sport, but it never like it never seemed like it would impact women or girls in my life. I every sledge hockey team or basketball team that I was a part of was almost always 50-50 with with girls and boys. And when we were the same age we both had the same opportunities. Like it, it wasn't in the, the Paralympic games for girls or boys. And then it, it wasn't until 98 that we actually really found out about the Paralympic games and, and it being all boys. Um, but I, I think I was just still too young and, and naive to really understand that, you know, here it is 24 years later and it's still not in the Paralympic games for women. And it's, uh, you know, it's a disgrace. It, it was something that I didn't realize was an issue growing up because there was just always girls there mm-hmm. beating the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> but obviously they're, they haven't been afforded the, the same opportunities. You know, one of Canada's best sledge hockey players is Christina Picton. And she's come to a few of our um, men's team training camps and just an absolute delight to be around an incredible athlete. And, you know, she just hung up the skate. She, she just said, screw it. And went to Nordic cross-country skiing. And if I can say one thing about para-ice hockey players is, you know, because of the work ethic that we've been allotted and the opportunities that we've had, we've become incredible athletes. And 
and I really do think that we can excel in, in any sport that we pick and Christina is no exception. And now she's, you know, she really is one of the best um, cross country sit skiers in the entire world. And she's going to be going to the Beijing games, which I'm so excited for. <laughs> how, <laughs> how big is uh, team Canada in the Paralympic games? Do you know how many athletes are going? Yes. Um, it was 48, I believe. And you're a pretty tight crew. I mean, there's a lot of names I, I haven't seen before on there. There are a lot of first-time Paralympians. Um, you know, it's, that's one, one major thing that Sammy and I have in common is that we are absolute Olympic and Paralympic junkies. And I, I love Team Canada <laughs> and I love following everyone. And, and so it, it's, it's really fun to meet them all once, once we all get there. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of names I don't know. And, and that's a good thing, right? Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's what you want to see. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I still love the other way around too. I still love seeing Brian McKeever at every single <laughs> Paralympic Games that I've been to. You know, that that's his and I little, little joke with each other. And speaking of Prince Edward Island, Mark Renz, you know, I think these are like his fourth games. And yeah. obviously he's done incredible for himself as well. And, you know, it, it's fun having that bond with, with returning Paralympians. And the other Paralympic sports, have you tried any of them? Oh, certainly. I, uh, my my latest attempts were uh, skiing, and sit skiing has a massive learning curve, and it, it's it was absolutely horrifying. If, if you don't have it set up correctly for your body and your disability, it can really just make you feel like you're in the trolley tracks going into the forest. <laughs> but w- once I started getting used to it, I started hitting jumps and and having a lot of fun with it. Certainly. And do you get an opportunity? I mean, I know that we're under COVID protocols, but do you think you'll get an opportunity to see any of the other of the other competitions and events? You, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's my my very first like major competition was Canada Games, and I remember being a part of. Um, even though I was from Prince Edward Island, I grew up mainly in Guelph because of all the surgeries I needed at Sick Kids and stuff. Um, so I competed for Ontario in wheelchair basketball at the 99 Canada Games in Newfoundland. And we'd go to every single event that we could and, and cheer them all on. And I, I wish we had a little bit more of that um, opportunity. But obviously, the, the stakes are pretty high. And our focus level, like, I, I think our schedule day to day was made like four years ago of what we do every single day. So it's like, you just oh, wow. you got to be a bit of a soldier and, and just do what you're told. And when you have a chance to cheer on Canada, you certainly do that. So when you, when you were young and, you know, we're talking about being a vet on Team Canada, is there a Paralympian or disabled athlete that you looked up to when you were younger? Or were you just that person? Oh, yeah. No. Oh, um, Patrick Anderson. You know, I, I was my very first wheelchair basketball practice. Um, I guess I must have been like 10. And he was already like 17 or 18. And and the things he was doing with that basketball, for those who don't know, he's the best wheelchair basketball player of all time. Like if you if you picture Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant, like that's the mixture of that is him. It, it, wow. It's incredible. Like in, in the same game, he can have 40 points and 15 assists. Like he's just one of the most amazing athletes to – you know, to see compete. And I was lucky to have him on my wheelchair basketball team. And, you know, that was, that was the standard. That was the bar to me. Like, that's where I'm so lucky is that Brad and I just had Pat, like, Oh, we just got to be like Pat. Oh, what's Pat doing? Okay. Well, I'm going to do that. And, you know, that that's what really instilled 
into us in our lives at such a young age it's like yeah we could get better at doing what we're doing or doing what we're told but we looked at what the best we're doing and we were like okay that's what the best are doing so that's the minimum that's the standard Mm -hmm. and that's where I think a lot of athletes might not reach their potential um, in sport is you know we, we we certainly get stuck in our own roadmap and we we get a lot of success from it and a lot of improvements but I always thought in order to become the best, you need to at least do what the best are doing and most likely more. And, uh, you know, Patrick Anderson was definitely that, that guy. And it was so awesome to have him there in my, my younger days, my early career. And, and then also years later, we'll watch him come out to sledge hockey and play with us a little bit and, and, you know, not be as good. It, it was, it was pretty fun. I mean, you like, you're that guy now though, right? You know that <laughs> Billy, if you could, offer our listeners one way to get more involved in disabled sport and support disabled sport around them what would it be in addition to watching because that's important too what would you what would you say um well well you hit the nail right on the head that first people need to watch people need to talk about it 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 needs to be talked about like you know like Devin Haru one of the one of the best CBC reporters out there right now um, laid out that question of like, hey, I'm going to be covering the Paralympics. I'm actually able to go. I'm going to be there. What kind of coverage do you guys want? And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you get some kind of just like sloppy answers like, oh, well, it should be this. Or it should be that. But like, I want people talking about it. I want thousands of people to be talking about it on there. You, you know, one of the coolest parts um, of, of my career was when I felt like I made it. And you would think it would be in Vancouver on a Saturday night on TSN HD, um, you know, when HD was still a new thing. Um, and and that we got to play on national television on Saturday night, like Hockey Night in Canada, basically. And, you know, how awesome of a feeling that was. But that wasn't even the part that made it feel like I made it. It was a week later after we lost the Vancouver Paralympic Games. Um, ended up in Cuba because I had to get out of there. And it was during spring break. And there was a, a group of, like, 20 year old guys all sitting around talking about stuff and and then asked me what what I do and I just said I play sledge hockey and and one of the guys looks at me and he goes oh man did you see those guys crap the bed at the Paralympic Games and like my heart sank and lifted at the same time like that's I felt like I made it and I looked at him and I told him that I was part of the team and he's like oh I'm so sorry I'm like no like you have no connection to the team you don't know any disabled people. You don't know me, but you knew about that game and you knew about the expectations that we had on ourselves of, of trying to win gold. And you knew that we didn't get there and you watched and you're talking about it. And I feel like that is just the most important thing. And like, that was such a, such a game changer in my life. It was, it was so funny. It was shattering and uplifting all at the same time. You know, but I, I love that. And so this is why it's so important for our listeners to know and support. And uh, you can watch the Paralympics on CBC and I believe NBC Peacock uh, in the United States, but like to watch it and, you know, to watch the highlight reels, to share the tweets, to to look at all those things and to do all those things. And yeah, Devin's so excited. He's a colleague of mine at the CBC and he's so pumped, like so, so pumped. I mean, he has a very soft spot for curling and we know this, but that's a pair of curling. It's going to be a big thing for him, but like, yeah. I can't thank you enough for, I know how busy you are. I know you're training. I know you've got so much you're going through before you head out. 
where can our listeners find you and your work? Um, I mean, I, I'm pretty active on Twitter and Instagram, um, Billy Bridges 18 for both of them. Um, and really just, just follow any of my teammates. They're, they're all such incredible athletes and incredible guys. And that's the thing about a lot of Paralympians is, is they have incredible stories even before their athleticism and their accomplishments. Um, so certainly follow any para ice hockey or any Canadian Paralympian going into these games and, and, and cheer with all your heart because we do hear you guys while we're over there. But I love how you qualified Canadian. Um, so who's your biggest, last question, who's your biggest competition going into these uh, Paralympic Games? Oh, certainly USA. The, the best <laughs> para ice hockey team for the last six years has been USA. So um, yeah, the anyone... Um, needs to just follow these games and, and watch some para ice hockey games because they're absolutely incredible. And Canada versus USA starts off the entire tournament um, on on March 5th. So so please watch and enjoy. Well, it can be no surprise to all our listeners which team I'm going to be cheering for. But uh, Billy, we wish you, on behalf of all Burn It All Down, we wish you so much success safe travels above everything and you know an incredible experience and we look forward to following up and watching you thank you so much for having me on <laughs>